brand new edition of Laugh, Blend, and Eat with Madness. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So for people who are used to uh, our typical Laugh, Blend, and Eat podcast, this is a newer version that we're trying out. We're going to see how it works. We call her Madness because that's her nickname, but it's really Madison Keenan. Madison, I know you're traveling right now, so thank you for taking the time and, and starting this new episode off with me, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, we were talking the other day, and you pretty much told me to hold some things in. So I've been holding on to these things all week, and I need to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> so look, let me ask you a couple of questions first, because I, I, I want to make sure my audience gets to know you. You were on an episode. You've been on two episodes. Two episodes. So you were on the Millennial Mortgages, or Mortgage Millennials. Mm-hmm. And then you interviewed me when we introduced you to part of the Life Lending family. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we were kind of like, whatever happens, happens. We'll figure it out. And then you did a good job interviewing me for my book. So you want me back. <laughs> let's talk about let's let the audience know you a little bit. So your nickname Madness, which we've now coined this episode or these these whatever we what this turns into, laugh, let and eat madness. So give us the history of this name, man. It's kind of unusual for a girl to be I mean, you know, I don't want I don't look, I'm an older guy, so sorry if I come off a little, little crazy, but it's unusual for a girl to be called madness, right? It is. Um, so best way for me to explain this is I'm Madison. I have a brother, Max, and we have a sister, Riley. Riley is the angel, doesn't really, you know, doesn't do anything, rock the boat. Me and Max are, you know, we were the challenging child, children. Um, and so one way or another, Max became Mad Max and I became Madness. And... When I was in high school, I was kind of, you know, on the fence about what I wanted to do once I got to college or if Uh I even wanted to go to college. And I got into makeup and I created a makeup line called Makeup Madness. And that was like my Instagram name. And then I went to college and I got my yoga certification and I was like, yoga madness. No. And then I got into mortgages and I was like, well, shit, mortgage madness. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is my brand name now. Um... So then I, this makes sense that laugh, let and eat madness. So this is like madness. your 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 your, your uh, uh, foray into 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 podcast. Mm-hmm. So, the, so we're, we're just continuing the brand. Exactly, it's just a brand extension at this. So point. I hope you don't mind the graffiti that they did for the madness. Like you, you well, you, you know, what? everyone internalizes madness differently. Some people are like, "Why the hell?" Like you know, they're thinking yeah. like crazy. Well, I asked our our, our I asked our guys. I said, "Just imagine a girl in Jersey with a spray paint." And she comes and spray paints her logo. Just imagine a girl from Jersey who calls herself Madness. It's right. No, and she works and in mortgages. I think so they did a pretty good job of that. So, look, you're traveling. You're in Florida today. I am. How did you travel? Like, my daughter literally got delayed eight hours coming out of Orlando. I got delayed. So, I was in the airport. I booked, like, the latest flight out Friday. Um, and I was sitting in the airport and as I was online at security, they were like, your flight's delayed 30 minutes. I'm like, mm. all right, whatever, no big deal. That gives me more time to like, you know, go through. Then I get out, they were like, your flight's delayed another 30 minutes. So I was like, okay, great, I'm kind of hungry. Let me go, you know, grab food. And then I was sitting and they were like, your flight's delayed another 30 minutes. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get a drink because now it's 10.30 at night, I'm not gonna get in until two in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I'm sitting there and there's these two women across from me. And you could tell they were like friends or they were drinking. They had been drinking. Okay. And they looked at me and I had a baseball cap on and it said, instead of gin and tonic, it said gym and tonic. Oh. And the lady was like, 
oh my God, I was going to order that drink and I feel like this is a sign. So we all order drinks and we're just kind of talking and they're, you know, they're from Jersey too. You're at the airport. I'm at the airport. You're not like at a bar. No. Make sure. Like literally sitting at the airport with the little and You guys are all going to get on the airplane momentarily and fly somewhere. And, and Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, well, what do you do? Like, you know, we're just talking. They're from Jersey. They own, you know, a store. And I was like, I'm in mortgages. And they're like, like, how old are you? And I was like, 26. And they were like, what are you doing in mortgages? And they really? were just like, long story short, they told me um, I was wasting my time in talent. And I was just like, thank you for your um, opinion. Um, and they were flying to f- Paris to go look f- into some clothing for their clothing store. And I was oh just God. like, you own like a storefront right now after the pan, like I'm the one that's wasting my time and my talent. You Dude, know, I got I to cut you. know what happened one day? I was flying to Pakistan. I took Air France. We'd stop off at Paris, right? For like a two hour layover, or whatever. This guy gets off. So the plane was going to go to Pakistan and then go to Bombay, India after that, or Mumbai, India, right? And so <laughs> this guy gets on the plane. I'm in the window. There's another guy in front of me in, in the center, and this guy's in the aisle seat. And this French guy, he's so drunk. Yeah. They were I mean, just no, 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 wasted drunk. And he literally like plops down the seat and his head is on the tray. And the steward is like coming over saying, sir, you got to put this tray back up. And I mean, he's so inebriated. He doesn't yeah. even know where. And I look, it's, so I, the guy next to you, I don't know. I'm like, I said, do you think he's going to wake up in Mumbai and figure out how, what the hell happened? Like, <laughs> Can you imagine like waking up and you're like, oh yeah, you're just in Mumbai. <laughs> like all these cows like all around him. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't. Well, this is how I knew that they were drunk. So after they went on a whole rant about how, like, I'm wasting my time and my talent and, like, they've never heard of a, a woman and, you know, a woman in mortgage, let alone, like, a young female. Wow. Um, they, some, I, the waitress came over with, like, a box of pizza and the, we were all, like, none of us ordered pizza. So they literally took the box of pizza and they were, like, well, we just paid $18 for this airport drink. So it's our pizza and booked it. And I was, like, so you're just going to sit here and like insult my career, take my business card, steal someone's pizza and like leave like nothing happened. I'm like, great. <laughs> so this is, but this is like another day in Jersey, sounds like. It I is. Mean, I have, have this an, isn't I have, the first time I've gotten that comment. You yeah, know? I mean, but Jersey I mean, people have, an, have, an, have, a, have this ability to be honest with strangers. Is that the right way to politely say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's like I always joke with some of my clients and I'm like, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, I am the most transparent person you will ever come across. Like it, I can't not say what's on my mind Um, or like, you know, tell you how it is. So it's funny when you're, you know, in front of other people who feel that way as well. But I was just like, what are you basing this off of? (laughs) Like, um, you know, um, but you know, like I said, it's not the first time I've been criticized or ridiculed or questioned for my decision to enter a highly stressful industry that not a lot of you know it's more male dominated for sure you know that's that's just facts and then you know you see someone that's in their 20s um you know and i feel like a lot of people don't get into the mortgage industry until they've kind of done other things within different realms being a male dominated industry do you think that's a that's a negative or do you think that that actually helps you sometimes depends on the day Depends um, on <laughs> sometimes I'm like, 
oh my God, I need to just remove all of my, like, I'm too emotional, you know, like I get emotionally invested into things. And then I'm you like, don't, you don't cry if you get a loan denied, do you? I don't, not when I get a loan denied, but there's been, there's been, a have you cried in this business? I have. And okay, then the look, guys in the office are like, take your emotion out of it. Yeah. Quoting Tom <laughs> Hanks, quoting Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. There's no crying in the mortgage business. Yeah. And I learned the hard way from that. I'm better now. I will say in the beginning, I took everything really personally. And I think it was because I was insecure or like not confident in my abilities. And then when something like that happened, you know, like a deal dies or there's stress going on throughout the process. And I put the blame on myself. And then, you know, that's not a place that you want to. Well, let me ask you something. You, you read my book, right? Yes. I know you read my book. You read that little story about the good faith estimate where I didn't know you did to change that for like, I don't know, seven months. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a male in the mortgage business, but I was still a minority, right? Yeah. I never really let that like get to me. Like, yeah, it was embarrassing when the loan officer figured out what I was figured doing, Figured out right? what you were doing, yeah. And I kind of like, but but I always like had this like bravado about me. Like when clients would call me and say, hey, my closings are way higher than you quoted me. And I just make up some excuse. Like, I mean, is that like a, a typical male thing to do? Or, I mean. No, I think that no. that's like a human thing to do. Okay, cool. And, you know, that's where I started to actually kind of, real. so I was a loan partner before I dove head first into being my own LO. So I got to, you know, work alongside other guys that have been in the industry for much longer than me. And then what I started to realize is like, Hey, shit happens. Like you Mm -hmm. can be in this industry for 20 years. You can know it all or think that you know it all, but there's still things that you're not going to know, or you can't predict or you can't, God, if I could predict everything, you know. I mean, matter. I can't tell you how many loan officers I've trained in 28 years that I've been doing mortgages, right? Yeah. And the few of them that said to me that like, they wanted to know everything before they went and took an application. And that was me. And I was like, dude, there's no way. You got to go yeah. out there and you got to bring in the deals. And then as you get, you know, living, breathing deals, we'll see the scenarios and we'll yeah. work it out. Yeah. But I can't, I can't tell you. Like, you know, any kind of scenario where there's a diplomat, let's say, you know what I mean? What the, at that time you could do, FHA would do diplomatic loans. I don't know if they still do them, right? So um, who knows? I mean, until you actually yeah. have a diplomat, where we're going to be able to put, the, put that particular deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, it's very difficult to learn everything. So but that's where I also, I guess, maybe like in the beginning phases was just like, I didn't, you know, I had the, the experience from working on other people's files. But then when it came to my own files, like, I wanted to micromanage them and I wanted to make sure that they were perfect from start to finish. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's just not yeah. the industry we're in. It's Why about. You can't scale up, by the way, Mad- uh, Madness. You can't scale up because the thing is, is like if you micromanage a file, it's not going to go well. You know, you're going to be able to do two to three loans a month if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, you'll never get to be able to do six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. No. Plus loans. And that was the switch for me is in yeah. November, I had a deal and it was in my mind, the most perfect deal. Like we were doing, I was doing so much like good things were going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. I find out after the three day rescission period, that shit went wrong. Not even to get into the whole thing, but basically like the whole thing that I had just worked soup to nut, someone else screwed up at closing and now hmm. we're past the rescission period to kind of make 
changes or fix things. Yeah. Um, and I was distraught. Like I, that, like that was a really hard like learning lesson for me. But from that point on, I realized like I could be the best damn loan officer ever, but there's other people involved in this transaction. It's not just me. Yeah. There's the borrowers. There's the, you know, there's so many moving parts to it. So for when me, I to up, play on myself is just. Yeah. When I put up my own company in 2000, I'll never forget this. We closed this one loan. And I remember getting, it was a refinance and I remember getting the commission check. I don't know why I didn't deposit it. I put, I put it in my drawer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was going to get around to depositing it. It was a pretty hefty check. Like I think it was like $26,000 commission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And which was all the money I needed to keep the business going pretty much for the next month. Yeah. And, and uh, the realtor or the, uh, the, the settlement agent calls me and says, Hey, Fab, this is like five days later after I got the check. She says, we have a problem. I go, what? Um, she goes, I can't record the deed because your clients filed bankruptcy. So during the loan process, they'd actually gone into bankruptcy and never told me. And I was like, you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm like, looking at the check. I'm like, why didn't I deposit it? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the other thing, you know, I hate to say it, but like we have a little thing and it's like buyers are liars. Mm. And that was another thing that, you know, me, I'm like the, I see the good in everyone. Yeah. And what I've come to realize too, is that as much as I'm trying to coach them and help them, like people for whatever reason, and you know, I've kind of had a preface this with clients, like, tell me everything, do not hold back. And if something happens and you make a mistake throughout the process, because even recently, the last closing that I just had, uh-huh. they did something really, really stupid and we caught it at the end, but it was like, I was telling, I've been telling you this since day one, like yeah. do not make I mean, large deposits, large withdrawals, whatever. Right. And they ended up doing it, not I mean, sourcing it. always get angry at us for their own mistakes. Their financial, yeah. Right? And, they're, and they're always like, how come no one told me this? Or how, how come, you know I mean, it's, and once yeah. again, it's like that little detail thing. Like we can't know until you've made the mistake, unfortunately. Exactly. And then they're like, well, we're first time home buyers. We didn't know. I'm like, no, no, we're not going to sit here and play victim right now because you knew. And I can like vividly remember six conversations with you because I knew you were first time home buyers yeah. because I know that, you know, you don't know these things. Um, and that's where it's just, you know, that's the fun part of this business is getting blamed for other people's financial responsibilities. When you did get blamed, I mean, how did you, I mean, obviously look, you're, 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 I think your second or third year in the business now, right? So second year licensed, fifth year in the actual industry. Okay, so fifth year in the business. So mm-hmm. you've 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 Been got a pretty block. tough skin by now. Yes. Right. I mean, so this kind of stuff doesn't. I mean, it doesn't phase me as much anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, really angry borrowers are kind of the, at the beginning because I'm yeah, like, especially when they make their own mistakes. Stupid. I yeah. told them like, what the hell? Why aren't they listening to me? Um. Yeah. But you just got to realize that like. So that's the thing you brought up something before and it was it like triggered something in my head where it's like no one's financials are black and white yeah that you get documentation yes there's numbers on that paper there's whatever knowledge and things that you, information that you need on the paper but no one's financials are black and white yeah. and so that's where it's like okay as the mortgage lender how are we going to combat that gray area and how are we going to educate the clients because my goal isn't always just getting the client the house if I could help you, you know, repair credit, consolidate debt, um, you know, have a better understanding of the parts of the process, or at least the parts that you're going to be paying for the next 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. 
I want you to really have a better understanding about your own finances when you walk out the door, not just, okay, here's the mortgage, go on with it. Like hope you figure everything else with your credit cards and all your other bullshit. Well, let's switch, let's switch gears a little bit now with the rates going up. I mean, they've gone up, I mean, respectfully, at least two percentage points in the first quarter. Right. I mean, I I mean like 3.75, I think we're about about five and a half now, give or take. Is that, is that right? It's, yeah, it depends on the day. That's where it's like, I can't even sit here and say like, yeah, this is where it's at today. Cause like I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, what am I going to get myself into today? So are your borrowers, are, are your borrowers like saying, how come I can't afford that house anymore? Are they blaming you or are they blaming their interest rates or like they finally found the house, but they don't qualify anymore. Is that, is that occurring? Yes. So what I've been noticing a lot Um, and it it kind of ties back into this whole emotions and I, you know, me, the emotional one is trying to tell the client who's about to purchase the house of their dreams or wants to purchase the house of their dreams, take your emotions out of it. (laughs) Easier said than done. But what I'm trying to remind people is, Hey, this is a business transaction. I understand this is exciting. This is nerve wracking, whatever it is, but don't get ahead of yourself and like see the bigger picture, you know, you got to be realistic about things. And where I'm trying, you know, struggling, there's two things right now. It's the people that you pre-approved within the last couple months where Mm -hmm. you look at what you pre-approved them a couple months ago. And you're like, we have to restructure one way or the other, because rates aren't where they're at. And if they only have X amount of money that they're utilizing towards closing, and now we need to use that, some of that money to pay points, Mm -hmm. how, you know, how else are we restructuring the deal? Well, you know, technically we could put more down and then that's putting more money out of their pocket. So now they have Mm -hmm. less money to pay points. So there's this whole, you know, how do you restructure the deal to keep everything where they're comfortable with the monthly payment and comfortable with what they have to bring to the closing table? That's a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot to handle. I mean, it's a lot in itself. And then you have the people who are going to multiple lenders. So they're being fed all this information. And I've had a lot of clients that come to me lately and I don't, you know, if someone gets pre-approved from someone else i'm not that lender send me your pre-approval letter. right I want to see who you're working with and whatever but i just kind of ask them you know like where are you at how much did this lender explain to you when he gave you the pre-approval of what these numbers mean did he you know break oh, it you out so like lenders are lowballing your, your your the people that are kind of like shopping they're well they're they're totally giving qualifying them for more than what they can qualify for if you're looking at the rates from a conservative perspective. Like okay. where they're quoting them is where they should have been back when interest rates were in the threes or even the low fours. Got like it. there is no way that some of these clients are qualifying for that same purchase amount when you know that the interest rates are higher. Um, and then second to that, you know, these lenders will go out there and quote people interest rates. They're basing it on 30-day pricing. Well, guess what? When you're in a pre-approval, you don't even have the house yet. How are you guaranteeing someone a rate in within a 30-day pricing? Hmm. They don't even have an offer accepted. They're just in the bidding phase. So um, when you quote a rate, what are you quoting? 30-day, 45, 60? What are you doing? I explain how interest rates work. And okay. I always come from a place of, okay, you know, people come to me. I want a two point, my, my friend got a 2.7 interest rate or my friend has a 3.5 from last November. That's what I want. And I go, okay, well, what does a 3.5% interest rate mean to you? And a lot of them don't understand. And I go, 
I'll explain whatever the interest rate is behind it, but you should be more focused on what the monthly payment is. Right. Here's the monthly payment that I can give you at no cost. Are you comfortable with that payment for the next X amount of years? No. Okay. Well then let's see what it would be like to, you know, drop it down. If you don't feel comfortable paying money to drop it down, then Maybe you're going to look at a higher interest rate. And with the higher interest rate, you're getting more money back at closing. So maybe now you could put, you know, more of a down payment okay. because you're getting a lender credit for taking the higher rate. So but I mean, we're not, even, we're not even at three and a half. Like you couldn't even quote three and a half. No. I mean. Uh, maybe on a 15 year. Yeah, on a 15. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you really, I mean, most people, especially first time home buyers, they're looking at a 30 year fixed rate. Yeah. Right. I mean, and they're, they're they're going, you know, going down to a 25 or a 20 year, they don't understand it until again, you break out the monthly payment and closing costs. Cause for right. me, that's the most important things. The rate, you know, like, unfortunately that's something that I have no control over. So for me to sit and wake up every day and stress over what the hell the interest rate is. No, I need to just guide and coach my clients of here's what the monthly payment looks like with the current rate. If right. you're not happy, then we need to give a little or take a little, you know, go more on the down payment or, you know, take a higher rate for right now. It gives you money back at closing. That helps you be able to put more, you know, whatever the situation is. But my so own, my goal, you know, let's circle back now because we're coming to the end of our first episode here of Laugh, Leonard, and Madness, it. right? <laughs> I know right. it was quick. All day. You got me fired up now. <laughs> let's go back to what you were just talking about. And let's go back to those ladies you met at the airport bar. <laughs> Yeah, love that. Like in my head, I just saw a connection, right? I just saw you like la la la, and then all of a sudden they're like they're hearing like, is this what you were telling them? And then they said you shouldn't be in the mortgage business. Well, no. So they were like really like pressing me for questions. Like even my friend that was sitting next to me, because I was with my friend at the airport, like Uh she was like like nudging me under the table, like what the like. (laughs) So basically, they were like, "So you're in mortgages?" Like, and then the one girl goes well, what's your direction? Like, what's your, like, like pretty much like, what are you trying to accomplish with being in the mortgage industry? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, because I got to ask, I'm sorry to ask you, but I mean, age bracket. I mean, where were these ladies? So they had, they were going to Paris with their 16 year old daughters. So I'm going to say forties, maybe like, you know, young fifties, but they had like, their own the business. Botox, like the yeah, whole, but- <laughs> yeah. Like they were like, they were going to Paris and the one girl was telling me how her daughter lost her air, her AirPods in the airport. And she just went and bought her daughter a brand new pair of AirPods for $300. Like, yeah. I was just like, you know, they were just very judgy, but they yeah. were basically like, what's your direction? And I was like, well, first and foremost, I'm a female. Like I want more female to invest in real estate. Right. I want more females to get into this industry. Like I belong, you know, belong to Christine's women with vision group. I, I'm constantly trying to bring on more girls onto our branch and, you know, show them even for the sake of people that aren't going to college, like, Hey, you can get into this industry. You don't need a college degree. You don't need to put yourself in tons, like, you know, tens of thousands of debt to be successful and to make good money. Yeah, no, it's not an easy job. It's stressful. Obviously there's things that come out of Mm -hmm. it, but I pretty much told them like my direction is just to, inspire and motivate and help women obviously i have my male industry as you know my male my male an unusual question to ask somebody it seems like a pretty a pretty in-depth conversation to have in an airport what do you do for a living would have been fine but like what's your direct like they were like i was like okay did you turn the tables on them and ask them any questions like and then they go oh wow you're good 
I'm like, yeah, I am good. Like, that's awesome. I, and, you know, like, that's where it's just like, I don't really let them, I don't get wavered or rocked by some of these comments anymore. Because again, it took me a couple years of just like really going through the trial and error. And like, I don't expect people to see my vision or I don't yeah. expect people to understand me. If they understood me, then there's, there's a quote that I like. And it's if people, oh, now I'm going to, I'm going to mess Come it up. On. It's pretty much like, um, if you're doing something no one understands, you're doing you. Yeah. Saying, yeah. No, not everyone is supposed to, like, if you're telling everyone what you're up to constantly, like, you're not doing it for you. You're well, doing it what, for, like, the validation of everyone else. I don't yeah. want people to understand me. I just want people or understand, you know, my, my reasoning for getting into the industry. I want it to translate that I'm helping people. Like yeah. I'm changing lives and I'm inspiring people. That's awesome. So we're going to end this on, on one of my favorite quotes I just recently heard. And the quote kind of goes along with your, what you're going through. And it says, nobody will ever criticize you that's doing more than you. You will always be criticized by people who are doing, well, less, doing less. Yeah. So I think we're going to end that on this note. This is a, a first episode of Laugh, Let, and Eat Madness right. with Madison <laughs> Keenan. And uh, we got to, uh, we, we told her not to talk to anybody for a whole week. Obviously, she was met some people at some airports. So she I had everything out. written in my journal because he wouldn't let me talk to him about it before today. So I was like, oh, lady in the airport on the. <laughs> Look forward to more Laughlin and Eat Madness episodes coming at you uh, off of our Laughlin and Eat family. And we keep expanding and uh, hopefully everyone keeps tuning in. So, guys, have a good one. Madison, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.